We are I. All right, everybody, we're sitting down with Alyssa Lascala today. And, uh, you know, the, one of the main reasons why Alyssa is going to be on the podcast today is, you know, she's another advocate for taking her health care into her own hands. And, you know, like th- this story is going to be completely new to me as well. But the part that always intrigues me and that's going to interest me the most is, you know, like people who just have decided to be able to take the initiative and just say, like, you know, like my health care is for me. You know, like this is important to me. I know my body best. And, you know, I'm going to do the research. I'm going to put in the time to be able to figure out what suits my needs best. So, and Alyssa, you know, from what I understand of her story, just kind of had a real sky high view, has absolutely done this. And I'm super interested to be able to hear this story and I'm very excited for her to share it with us. So, Alyssa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. No problem. And uh, Alyssa is with us via Zoom from... Reading, Pennsylvania, like the Reading Railroad on the Monopoly board. That's typically how people recognize where I'm from. So, oh, awesome. Yes. Cool. Eastern Seaboard. Um, all right. So we were kind of talking a little bit before the podcast about filling us in of who you are. Like I said, obviously, we all like to be able to build a rapport with who we're listening to and uh, fill us in. Storytell everything, Alyssa, from the day you were born to the reason why we're here today. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you um, having me on. I'm excited to share my story. I know that we got connected through a mutual friend um, who also really values being your own health advocate. And so do you kind of just want me to go into the the full details of how I got to the point where I realized I needed to be my own advocate and really take it into my own hands? Maybe give us a little bit of an understanding of, you know, kind of like what you were experiencing just so people have an understanding of why, you know, like you're on show and then just peel the onion skins back and go right to children, you know, like, did you play sports? Were you not, you know, like were your parents, you know, into like holistic living or, you know, like, did you guys garden? Did you not garden? You know, like, like where it all started. You can walk us through step by step. You know, like we're all excited to get to know you. Sure, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's not like my parents were like insane health freaks when I was growing up. Like I still had hot dogs and mac and cheese and like, like I think about some of the stuff I used to eat when I was younger. And so I'm like, no, my, my parents weren't total health freaks. Um, but honestly, we were always really active, right? Like we would go camping. Yes, both my parents had a garden. We were really encouraged to be outside, play outside. Um, but it was when... I was eight years old and my dad was 33 at the time I got diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. That was really like the biggest switch in my family because my dad was that person that, you know, those insane people when it's like a three digit weather, like a hundred plus degrees outside and you see them running and you're like, you're nuts. Yeah. That was my dad. That's so awesome. <laughs> you know, he was either always in the gym or he's outside running. Um, but I guess he wasn't as, in tune with the nutritional aspect of things, which we know is a huge deal, but we didn't have as great of an appreciation for it at that point. And, uh, but that was really when the switch flipped in my family. And so we started to look at um, nutrition and other parts to health supplementation more so than just fitness. And that was where everything basically escalated from. So it started really when I was eight. And then because of other health challenges that 
my dad continued to have and then that I had, that was how I really had a, an appreciation for health and wellness to the point where I decided, hey, I want to go to school for this. Like, I want this to be my life. Okay. Yeah, that's how, so, you know, like, if your dad was so, like, you know, into, like, the fitness component, like, how come you think that the bridge wasn't gapped? Like, is that anything that you're, like, aware of or, like, he just, you know, he was so in tune with his physical performance, he just kind of never got into, like, the, um, like, the nutritional aspect or, you know, like, where do you think, like, that disconnect was or what it was from? That's a really good question. And um, sometimes... I have to ask myself that because it's not something that comes naturally to people. It's one of those things sometimes that you don't know what you don't know. And if you can look at yourself, because so many of us judge our health based off of vanity and simple appearance, somebody looks in shape, they have a low body fat percentage. You think like, I mean, genetics goes into things as well. So my dad was working out and a lot of people work out so that they can eat what they want. Right. It's, it's like if you have the best of both worlds, you can have your cake and eat it too. Well, as long as I work off the cake, it doesn't matter. And so it wasn't something that he really was aware of. He wasn't raised to the point where, yeah, you sat down and you ate dinner and good, healthy meals, but it wasn't healthy. And nobody can see it, but I'm holding up air quotes right now. The level of healthy or like the idea of what healthy was and the understanding of it, it wasn't as much of like a mainstream thing as it's starting to be now. So he just didn't know. And so the rest of us didn't know. Yeah, you know, it is shocking, you know, because like obviously like I grew up in the same, you know, like era. My mom was, you know, really big into like health and fitness. And I think the only thing that really Bridget got from us like nutritionally is like I was raised on a farm. Um, you know, so like we always kind of had like that connection like with our food, you know, like we went hunting, we fished, you know, we had a garden, we obviously grew our own food commercially, like like all these things. And but it was never labeled as like healthy eating or you ate like this for like any kind of reason except for more that it was like necessity of environment or that's just what had been done for generations. You know, so I always kind of like to pro people a little bit as in like, hey, like, you know, if there was that disconnect, you know, did you guys grow up in this city or did you grow up on a farm? You know, just kind of understanding that because, you know, like the urbanization of like our planet is a major disconnect from, you know, like our food understanding, which is also then, you know, food awareness, not only for ourselves, but, you know, like us as a culture, you know, and understanding like what healthy living and healthy food actually means, because I have a tough time when people say like, oh, it's so hard to eat healthy. You know, when like really like from a primal perspective, it's just who we are and what we're designed to do. It's just that we are funded with these options. And for the most part, like we don't know any different because the fitness industry has always been based on, you know, like, yes, I have to be able to, you know, go out and get this body. And because I have this body, the default to that is that I'm healthy. But usually those people are the most unhealthy. Amen to that. Amen to that. And it's the, the the industry, I think, is starting to grow more to help people understand, especially with everyone's focusing on the microbiome and whatnot. Now they're starting to realize that if you're not healing from the inside out, you're not necessarily in true health. And so I love that it's starting to gravitate towards that way. But you're right. I mean, it really a lot of times does depend on what you were raised in and until you have a challenge that hits your life that causes you to explore other options or think otherwise 
you're not prompted to. See, and like that's the tough part, you know, for me is because obviously I'm an information junkie. We're both here saying that having this conversation because of this purpose, people are going to listen to it because they're also connected with the same message. But it's something that I try to communicate to people all the time is like all of this is stuff that we should never think about all day long, every single day, you know, because if we did have a little bit, um, you know, more of like a wholesome connection with our roots of who we've been as a species, you never had to think about micro gut biome. You never had to think about calories. You never had to think about these things because all that was just naturally occurring in your body because of the foods you had, the accessibility to eat, you know, but like now, like, yeah, like the awareness behind all this is because we've thrown off our body. We're fighting these battles, you know, like with all this food that's acceptable to us and like, you know, instill the cultural and like the social pressure of being like, oh, you can treat yourself or, you know, like eat these things or like the 80, 20 rules and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, like that's what I always come back to, like with people is that, you know, the 80, 20 rule for me is always such a, a distorted perspective because for one, like 80, 80, 20 rule for somebody who sits at an office all day and doesn't work out and doesn't eat healthy really is completely different for a person who's like 80, 20 works out an hour or two a day or, you know, like has a physically active job or, you know, maybe plays a sport or works out and plays for like all these kind of things. So, you know, again, it's all these like generic rules that then you have to like navigate through and it's just like information over load constantly absolutely a hundred percent agree yeah so take us a little bit more you know like from like you growing up so you seen your daddy is obviously like a fitness like kind of role model to your family he's out doing all this crazy stuff like how did that transfer to you as a child like you know like when you grew up like seeing that did you rebel against it or did you kind of get sucked into it were you athletic I had a new appreciation for needing to understand that there was more to health than just working out. Um, that was really the biggest thing that I got from it because uh, my dad started, he started to do the macrobiotic diet. I don't, some people that are listening may be familiar with that. Some may not. Everybody knows there's like 50 million diets out there, but that was one that uh, they definitely encouraged him to do, whether it was, um, you know, endocrinologist, any type of doctor that he was seeing at that time while he was getting treatment was saying this was the best for him to do. And so he started to implement not the same diet for my, my brother and I, because, you know, he was five, I was eight, you know, if the fact that we could now eat broccoli with every meal or something like that was a big step, right. Or looking at having less fried foods and things like that. Um, but that was really like the big transition in my brain was, okay, I need to pay attention more to just, you know, more than just physical activity, more than just, I, I grew up and I we danced, um, I danced competitively, I um, was a cheerleader, I was a gymnast, I, I played lacrosse, so I did a lot of different things, I mean, I was always physically active, I loved running, but it was more than just that, um, and when it comes to physical appearance, again, I could have eaten unhealthy and ate the ice cream and, and this and that and been fine, because, like, just metabolically, we were, we were blessed that way. It doesn't mean that I never would have gained weight, but it's not like I had as difficult of a time with my genetics as some other people may. And so you really have to understand the reason why you choose to make the nutritional choices. Because in the end, it's still having the same effect on your body, whether you're gaining the weight or not. You know what I mean? So um, that was something that I had a no appreciation for was looking at things that were other than the fitness portion of it. And so that's when I started to get into understanding how food affected our bodies. See, and you know, like you brought up like a really good point, you know, that um, I kind of want to explore a little bit more in, in depth is that 
like typically you know like the narrative like you know like with with us parents is you know like if we're depriving our children you know of like these quote-unquote treats they should be having or like this food that should be socially acceptable to eat this this stuff that's just terrible for their bodies you know like physically mentally emotionally like the whole bit like high sugar diets you know like the or high sugar foods and all this kind of stuff um but you mentioned that you know like when your dad started eating like this you know then you guys kind of gradually started eating healthier but you never said anything that like you rebelled against it or that you hated it or that you know that you wanted to consume this food but like your dad wouldn't let you or anything along those lines and you know i think like parents are scared to break that mold now because they're worried that their children if they restrict those foods from now there's gonna be this huge pendulum shift that they're gonna want to sneak eat it and overeat it and you know eat it at a friend's house and at school and all that kind of stuff so you know do you ever remember rebelling against it and just being like just want to pound back this ice cream or these sour keys or these slurpees or like why didn't you or have you ever put any thought into it yeah it's it's interesting that you ask that because i had this conversation back and forth with a couple of people that were commenting on a facebook live that i did last week where i basically was venting saying that i was and i was saying it respectfully but i'm so tired of the shaming for people that are choosing to eat healthy. And I think that that has started to happen to the point where people will start to make healthier decisions, whether it's for themselves or parents trying to instill better practices in their kids. And people are so judgmental. It's like people judge you for choosing to be healthy because maybe they're sitting there thinking, oh, well, she or he thinks that they're better than me So because they got to bring their own meal or because they're choosing to eat a salad over the pizza. Oh, they think they're so great. And it's just... I, I see it and it's really upsetting and I had some parents that were coming back and forth being like Alyssa I absolutely love this video because I try and teach my kids the best that I can if they choose at school to get something else to eat if they are going over to a friend's house or they stop at McDonald's or get like that's their choice but it is my responsibility as a parent to teach them what they should be eating and so when you ask what my response was to my dad trying to instill some of the stuff. My parents were divorced, so it was a little bit more encouraged at my dad's than my mom's. However, my brother, who was three years younger than me, he was a little bit more rebellious. He would still eat it, but it wasn't um, as accepted as me. I'll try anything. And if you put, honestly, if you put salt or like a little bit of oil or butter or cheese on something, like, they're going to eat it. <laughs> you can make almost anything taste really good with just a couple of different additives to it. To it. But I, I do think it's something that a lot of parents shy away from because they're thinking, oh, is it even a big deal? Does it matter? Because ultimately they can make the choice anyway. If I'm, um, you know, kind of hovering over them or like shielding them from unhealthy foods, are they going to go crazy when they go to college? You don't know. All you can do is what you can do right now. That's my response to that. Yeah. See, and you know, like, you know, when you say to, you know, about like how you're just tired of like the criticism, you know, like from people, it's like, I remember when I first, you know, started getting into like, you know, health and fitness more as like a career, like over a decade ago. And, you know, I was always that guy, you know, and like, you know, then I would meet up with like people on the weekend. They're like, oh, you do this on the weekend too. You know, I'd be packing like my cooler around, like have my food and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it basically it led me into not even wanting to like share my journey like with people because it always just fell into like some kind of criticism about like you know like why aren't you drinking or why don't you drink more or you know like oh just give yourself like a break or let yourself have like this cheat oh you deserve it and it's just like 
You know, like, why do I deserve to be able to beat my body down? Why do I deserve to be able to make it harder when I love to be able to do all this stuff that's performance based? You know, but I'm going to make it more of a struggle for my body to do that or take like the weeks or months to counter all this stuff I just did to my body to get back to where I am right now. Um, and I actually, I find that to be one of the most incredibly sobering parts about like where we live in the world we live in today, because like the uphill battle is like a five degree slope. You know, when I first started this, it felt it was like it was like nine. 90 degrees like straight up and I just feel like that cultural shift coming but I love when people are willing to be able to step outside like you with your Facebook live video and just say like enough is enough like I've, I've had this I feel that like why are you trying to make me feel bad being healthy you know is it because you can't do the same or like you want me to you know like eat unhealthy or like you know choose an unhealthy lifestyle but you know why does it have to be an 80-20 rule when I'm the one who has to specifically you know like live like the negative impact of like that 20% you know it's like so I'm, I'm glad that people like you because I always tell everybody that I would rather one person listen to this podcast you know and have like a million people putting the message out there that all affect one person then have like this massive following because more people need to hear it and that's why I wanted you to come on is saying like there's this army of people that just need more voices and more avenues to be able to tell their story to be like hey like connect with me like we're strong there's a lot of people behind us like we've sat quiet we've chose not to spoke or we've chose not to like like you know find these avenues but we have these tools now we're going to use them to be able to help educate people and say like hey you don't need to do any of this kind of stuff and you are accepted because there is a huge movement behind us and we're all starting to be able to band together um do you feel that like you know in pennsylvania where you're from um, there was a lot just all in that last couple of yeah. minutes that I had little triggers go off in my brain that I was like, I really want to comment on that. Comment um, on anything you want. Just throw it out. But I mean, honestly, I feel like I haven't lived anywhere other than Pennsylvania my entire life. So it's interesting to hear people say that we are the most resistant, like people that have lived other places or even other parts in Pennsylvania versus where I live saying that it's a little bit slower to adapt to change. I mean, you hear about places like, you know, California, Colorado, even things like um, like medical marijuana movement and, you know, CBD and all that stuff. It typically ends up being slower to get over to, like, the northeast coast. And um, I think my area is definitely starting to evolve, but it absolutely is behind. Typically, it starts from the west and it starts to move its way over, and then it finally hits us. Um, but I think it's all about education. I think people can get really pissed off and irritated that it's like well people just don't get it well they just don't get that you're supposed to eat healthy well instead of sitting there and sorry i'm trying to like bite my tongue guys sometimes i swear when i get a little passionate you, yeah like, no you can feel i swear on this, yeah, this all the time about it. go and tell people why they should care yeah why, like, they, you need to understand because the thing is once you know you can't unlearn what you know once someone understands what i tell them about stuff is tied into the gut and how I went from being super healthy to needing to sleep and you know take at least one if not two naps a day for two to three hours at a time and I went from Lyme disease to adrenal fatigue to hypothyroidism to breast implant illness and like all these things until people understand your story or they understand where you're coming from no they're not going to get it so take the time to be an advocate and explain it to somebody because you're battling against every commercial every billboard everything else that's telling people otherwise and you need to take the initiative. So don't complain if you're not willing to do something about it. So yeah, you know, we're a little bit slower in transition. Um, but I, I think that's because more people also need to 
speak up. And that's exactly why I go and do Facebook lives constantly because sometimes people are just afraid of what other people are going to think. And that is why we play small or we don't go after our goals or we don't bring the healthy meal that we want to bring to lunch or to work or whatever. Because I used to work at Texas Roadhouse for like five, six years serving and bartending and so when you have like the best rolls in the world with honey cinnamon butter and you know hand cut steaks and fall off the bone ribs and all this stuff and you're the person that's choosing to bring in your grilled chicken with your you know your veggies with hummus to dip and sweet potatoes and this and that people are like oh my god and you are so judged you're so judged and for the person that's just starting this out they're going to feel defeated by that. And, you know, my heart goes out to those people and I pray for those people and I cheer for those people and I want them to know that I'm there to support them because that's enough to knock some people off the horse. And and if you're not mentally strong enough to kind of endure the mocking sometimes that comes along with it or the judgment, you may not stick with a healthier lifestyle. And so that's why I feel like it's so important for people like us that have been in it for a little bit longer to advocate for those people that maybe struggle to voice why this is so important to them. And so I completely agree with you on that. You know, and it is like one of those things, you know, because I've been talking a lot, you know, like with my clients lately about how like, you know, like, you know, it's so easy to be able to encourage people who are motivated, you know, like, and who are willing to even try to feel that criticism, you know, but like, there's a lot of times, like, even like, I'm like a really strong person, like, you know, mentally, you know, I've been through like a lot in life, but especially when it comes to like having my, my morals, my ethics challenged when it comes to like my personal sovereignty and like health and wellness. Um, so I can really deal with it all. But even sometimes like, I just want to be like, are you fucking kidding? kidding me like still like do i really so i look at that like for me if i can lose my shit sometimes you know like for people who are just getting started where even a walk might be hard you know and then they're in their social network and they just want to choose to be able to bring like some cucumber sticks and hummus and they're just like oh so you're that person now it's like how hard is that like you know and that's where like i'm trying to connect with that more it's like where does that bridge start because you can't completely socially isolate yourself you know from your friends and family and that's the one thing i've always told people is that like be prepared for the backlash from your friends and family which is the worst part because they're the key to your success but as soon as you decide to walk down this road, they're the ones that are going to hit you the hardest and it's not going to be from where you're expecting it. And like, that's the worst, but like, there's nothing that you'll ever be able to do to be able to prepare for that. And how long, how many weeks, months, and years does that person go through up and down on that scale, trying to fight through that slog and that shit to be able to be successful? And do they ever like persevere? Because I'll tell you, I'm from Vancouver. Like I'm on the forefront of like health and wellness like we are the definition of like west coast living and there's still people around here that i'm just like you gotta be kidding me like what stone age do you live in where like you know you're walking down the street with like a large slurpee that has like 140 plus grams of sugar in it like enough for a week's worth of sugar in this one slurpee like do we still live there? Like we're still in that zone. We're still stuck there. And then that same person is going to be like, Oh, there's Blake and his salad again. And it's like, yeah, judge me while you're driving through McDonald's and I'm going to a farmer's market and you see me from across the street and you want to be like, Oh, he should just have like a McFlurry. 
And I'm like, no, but like I said, like we still go through that. Like you, I'm sure you still go with that. Like whether you're West coast or East coast, we still go through all that. And like, like, what do you think it, it takes just to help change the people who are around the individuals who want change just so they don't criticize them? Because like, that's the pool, like, you know, where you say, like arming people with information, like giving them a voice, allowing them to be able to be strong. But like they meet people like you and I, they get super inspired. They're just like, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to break this off. And then they get home and it's just like right back down that slippery slope. You know, like, what do you think that people like you and I can do to be able to help say like, leave these other people alone. If they want to be healthy, just leave them alone. Like if they want to have a healthy, active lifestyle, just let them be, let them do their thing. Well, I love the I love the quote or the phrase that goes when you realize how hard it is to change yourself, you'll stop thinking about how you're going to go and change other people. Like think about how hard it is to go and try and change someone else's behavior, someone else's else's thought patterns. When you think about how hard it is for you to change the way that you think and the things that you do, and so that's I, a lot of that is what I address. And I have a, a seven day reset program, and we talk a lot about these main barriers that you hit. Like we talk about, you know, you have to figure out what your why is with this. You have to figure out what your subconscious triggers are. You have to figure out um, what boundaries you need to start to set and what resistance are you hitting and how can you best prepare for it? Because as you said, it can be very difficult. There's a lot of stuff you can't predict. You can say, oh, someone may mock me for eating healthy, but I'm going to tell them like, this is my goal and I want to lose weight. And then only hold so much weight like it only lasts you for so long before you're like oh my god I'm so tired of it and so what I like to do is help to equip someone with the right weight loss mindset and it's not like foofy meditation not that meditation is foofy but that's what a lot of people think right it's it's literally like practical like we're walking through this step by step to help you figure out like what is your anger? What are you going to hold on to when people are judging you? Because you're never going to change everybody. I don't think we should look at it as like, oh, how do we get those other people to stop picking on the people that are being healthy? Um, when I did this video the other day that was addressing both sides, I said, listen, this message is for, number one, the people that are trying to make the healthy decision and keep getting pushback from other people because they want to bash them for making healthy choices. And I finished off the video being like, now I want to talk to you guys that maybe you don't even realize it, but like subconsciously or indirectly, even if you're not trying to be spiteful, you're kind of shitting on other people or just making like those snide remarks that to you may just seem like, you know, you're just playing, you're being sarcastic, but no, someone else is taking that to heart. And I'm like, you know, I want you to just be aware. Like, what are the comments that you're saying to somebody when they're drinking a water instead of a soda or when they bring their meal? Ask yourself, like, is it because you're a little bit resentful that they're able to make that decision and that you feel like you don't have the power? Do you feel like their life and their circumstances are easier than yours so much to the point that even if you wanted to eat healthier, and even if you wanted to have the time to work out, you are a single mom that's working two jobs and busting your ass. And so you can't help but just have this resentment against another mom that's making it work. And so it really ultimately for us, I don't know if you ever read the book called The Four Agreements by John Miguel Ruiz, but it is so good. It's so simple. And it really talks about the fact that you just like you can't get offended. Don't take stuff offend. Don't take stuff personally. You need to just realize that when someone's being like that to you, it's nothing to do with you. And it's hard pill to swallow. And I'm not saying it doesn't take time to build up those layers of thick skin to be able to like push through. But I always think to myself, if I don't do this, what's my alternative? 
what is my alternative? If that person sitting there is trying to mock me for making this healthy decision, are they going to have to be the one that suffers if I go and have cheese right now instead of, you know, chicken and cucumbers or, wh- or whatever I choose to have? No. If the person that's mocking you doesn't have to deal with the results of your decisions, then their thoughts are irrelevant. And so I think it's really about loving on both ends of people because in the end, the people that are hating, the people that are mocking, they're hurting. Hurt people hurt people. And so that's really the the position that I've tried to take, especially over the last several years of, you know, someone that I feel like I had been hurt a lot in my life, not in, in this specific type of, you know, topic or example but you realize that you have to just start having empathy for both sides. And once you do that and people start to feel loved because those other people feel judged too, they're judging you because they feel that you are judging them for not making the decision that's healthier, the decision you're making. So everyone's thinking, what is everyone else thinking? And what is everyone else judging me about? And so we're all on this like high alert, protective, you know, we just, we have to, we have to just start educating people and loving on them no matter where they're at and meet them where they're at and help them to get where they want to go. So in summary, that's, I feel like we just need more love about it. We are all on the defense and we need to switch our mindset around on that. Yeah. And you know, like, as you were talking, I, I thought of something, um, like interesting because obviously like, you know, where you talk about like, you know, hurt people, hurt people. And, you know, like, you know, how, when people are choosing to be healthy, you know, make these like healthy choices, you know, like it challenges other people, you know, like you're saying, like that can be like a planet. But do you think that there's any correlation between when people choose to want to start to be healthy, you know, eat healthy, work out, you know, like exercise, whatever that means to them, that the people who might be like judging them or, you know, like doing those like little like comments or passive aggressive digs or, you know, like all that kind of stuff. Do you think it's because globally like what we talked about before like we're still stuck in this mentality that when somebody's doing this they're doing it to look good because it has something to do with vanity you know but if people if we all of a sudden just could flick a switch one day and instead of people associating like health and wellness with like vanity and like looking good and abs and you know like thong bikinis and shirts off dudes and you know like all that kind of stuff and it was more just like this real like average looking person that was just super healthy on the inside that people would as- would associate or like, you know, have like these little like, you know, like digs or like, you know, passive aggressive comments when people chose to be healthy. Like, do you think that's even in the same realm? Like, it's interesting. I've never thought of that before. I, I do think that that does have something to do with it. And it actually was another thing that I mentioned in my live the other day, because I've been on both ends of the spectrum where I was making the decisions to eat healthy. Like when I got really, really strict with my eating uh, it was, I was getting ready for a bodybuilding competition. I was doing a figure competition for MPC. And so it was very, very strict and people knew that. And I had so many people that loved and supported me, but then you have the people that know that you're doing it specifically for a show where you go on stage and you are judged solely on your appearance. So that's it. That's all. And it was completely different when I did that in 2013 versus, you know, and I had got diagnosed with Lyme disease before that, but I didn't really start feeling a lot of the effects and the co-infections from my Lyme disease and having to eat more for health versus vanity until about two years later. And the acceptance from people when you bring your own meal, the acceptance from people when you turn down drinking, when you turn down going out for ice cream or pizza or things like that and say, 
I can't eat this because I have a health condition. I can't eat this because I have Lyme disease and it's going to cause inflammation. I can't eat this because I have irritable bowel syndrome. I can't eat this because, and you have some type of condition, ailment, or disease, it is much more accepted than if you say you're doing it just for you. Yeah. And that's a big thing that a lot of people deal with where they're like, well, why would you want to do it for you? And no one really thinks of it as having more energy or a better quality of life. They do assume that it is for vanity. But the thing is, there is also nothing wrong with that. And so I don't think it's ever going to end. There's nothing wrong with somebody looking good because they and that makes them feel good about themselves. That's life. And that's being a human. And maybe somebody wants to feel sexy in front of their spouse because it's ruined their marriage that they no longer engage in any type of physical, like emotional connection because, you know, the wife or the husband just feels so bad about themselves. They don't even want to take their clothes off in front of their significant other. And so it's so much more than just that. We think about it as just vanity, but it's ultimately like, what is that vanity bringing to them? It's bringing them happiness and peace. There's going to be assholes. There's going to be cocky people that are like, oh, I just want to do this because I just want to flex. There's always going to be an asshole. I use this as the same comparison as like, yeah, there's some really sucky movies. Yeah, but not all movies suck. Are there some sucky restaurants? Absolutely, but not all restaurants suck. There's some sucky people that are fit, but not all fit people suck, right? And so I feel like you just have to look at it like that. I think it's always going to be an issue, but um, I, I think it's just constantly vouching for those people. And as someone like you or I that is in shape, not being the asshole and loving on the people that are trying to be healthier and the people that don't even know that, you know, you don't have to pick one or the other. You can be a good person <laughs> and want to make healthy choices at the same time. But I do believe there is a stigma that comes along with looking healthier, people thinking that you're doing it for some type of like conceited reason. Mm-hmm. And it's weird that we need to have like a disease or an ailment to be able to justify it. it can't simply just be because you know like not even like i'm not i'm not choosing not to eat ice cream because i want a six pack i'm just choosing not to eat ice cream because like i just i just don't want it like it but it's like oh i can't eat ice cream you know because i'm lactose intolerant but then like that becomes immediately justifiable because you have like this like ailment or like this disease that's preventing you from doing it it's like there's like there's your shield your umbrella that you can just you can put on your cloak you know like your suit of armor and just be like now i can go feel this where like you know like i know lots of people who've lied to like their social networks they're just like oh i just tell people i'm like um that i have like a gluten sensitivity now to be able to get away from like you know eating like you know like breads and pastas and all that kind of stuff you know just the thing like, is though I totally get that but everybody does yeah. the thing is everyone does have a gluten intolerance it's just some people experience it and others don't but that's what I tell people a lot of my clients you know they're like well what do I say it's easier for you Alyssa you can say because I am lactose intolerant I have been since I was little now my body and my gut has gotten so much healthier that a lot of ice creams I can still stomach and be okay I'll still have bloating but I won't be like in pain and um, so they're like you know it's easier for you because you have a reason I said number one if you really want you can go and make up a reason just to get people to shut up if that's really what you're worried about but I said you know number two you do have a reason you can literally say to somebody listen I don't feel as good when I eat that no I'm not allergic to it I'm not going to die and have my throat close up but I don't feel as good and I know because we're friends or we're family you love me and you want me to feel my best right so I know that this isn't going to bother you that I'm not eating it and you kind of just reflect it back on them and give them the benefit of the doubt by making them seem like the most awesome freaking person that 
of course they would want to support you put the words in their mouth and you know what some people may push back but most people when you kind of say well I know because you love me that you're going to support me and I know that you wouldn't ever want me to do something that's going to make me feel crappier a lot of people will just back off and be like okay yeah so yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I think this is good, a segue to be able to move into uh, um, you know some of the personal battles that you went through health wise. You know, was the first battle that you went through was it um, with your Lyme disease, or was there something before that? Um, well, I always had gut issues growing up. Like I said, I I got officially diagnosed. I think when I was like seven or eight with. Uh, lactose intolerance and my whole family basically has irritable bowel syndrome and you get a lot of your gut microbiome from your mom so it just kind of like it just it was what it was right um but that was kind of what I dealt with growing up it was just labeled as IBS and it was I had a lot of food sensitivities that way I just didn't realize that that was actually a thing I was like oh I just have a messed up stomach my whole life um but then I went through an eating disorder um for a couple of years when I was in middle school into high school um, and then I recovered from that, but then got Lyme disease when I was 20, when I was in college. So that's kind of where everything else cascaded. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you know where your eating disorder came from? Like, did it stem from having like IBS and kind of snowballed from there or, you know, it was like body image issues or like what led you down that road? Yeah. It, uh, eating disorders can be so, um, there's there's such a variety right so just so people listening know where i was um i actually was talking with somebody last night and realized that i actually did have just because you don't have yourself labeled as anorexic or bulimic doesn't mean you don't have an eating disorder i need to make that clear because i technically wouldn't have been labeled as either you can have disordered eating patterns and so that's what i had Um, i was under eating and over exercising because of the fear of gaining weight um and my food and my exercise were the only things I had control over. And I realized that that was my way of controlling stuff in my life. Um, I wanted to feel more confident. I could control my body, right? So um, that was that was the only thing in my life that I felt like I truly had a 100% say in what went into my body, what I ate, and how much I worked out. Um, so I learned a lot of that through therapy as I was going through that to be able to recover from it. Um, but I realized that I still had a disordered eating pattern after I did my fitness competition, uh, because I was so strict with my eating that when I had my one cheat meal per week, I would binge and I ended up having to purge after a lot of it because I was just so full that I was so sick and I had to throw up. And so I realized I'm like, this is a different disordered eating pattern, but that's exactly what happened. So um, the first time that it happened in those set of circumstances was because of control and because of wanting to look a certain way. Um, I was also a cheerleader, and after you end up being told that you're getting too too heavy to be a flyer, the person that's getting thrown in the air, that kind of turns you off to all that. Um, and then later in life, after my fitness competition, it was more so because I hadn't figured out a, a balanced way of eating. Yeah. So like, is it, is it something, and I, I say struggle loosely, just not be able to find a, a, another appropriate term at this point in time, but like, is it something you've always kind of like struggled or battled with like trying to be able to find that balance or do you have that balance now? Or is it one of those things where you kind of go through like seasons with it where like you have control over it, but then something kind of throw you. Cause you said like, you know, 2013 was in the pretty recent past 
you know, about, you know, and then kind of developing, you know, maybe like, you know, disordered eating patterns again. And this is something that you struggled with, you know, in middle school, which I presumably would be around like 13, 14 years old or so. Like, um, like, is it something that kind of cyclically kind of ebbs and flows through your life? Or is it something now that you're like, okay, I've identified these patterns and I have complete control over it now? Um, I've identified the patterns and I have control over the, um, the eating disorder mindset itself. However, it doesn't mean that you can't have body dysmorphia to some degree. I think everybody does. I think we're the issue that I still have, like most people have, is you are just so overcritical of yourself and we need to learn to love ourselves where we're at. And so I think self-love is how I would classify it. I'm always working on self-love. I'm always there's always gonna be something new you want to fix. Right. I learned that even when I stepped on stage super lean and it was part of being in the industry, I had to step back. And this is, a you know, other than the fact that my body wouldn't be able to put through that extreme process of getting ready to step on stage again. I, I wouldn't want to put myself in that mindset. of It's like there's always something a judge wants you to change. There's always something that can be improved. And so you have to have the right mindset looking at that. You have to say to yourself, okay, well, it doesn't mean that I am not beautiful as I am right now. And that's really hard for a lot of people to swallow. I know just about every competitor I've ever known that has stepped on stage ends up having that point where when they're in the quote-unquote off-season, they are struggling. They are struggling. It is an organized eating disorder for many people, and they're not even recognizing it. And so um, as far as control over that or mastering that goes – Um, I do feel like I have mastered that. I think that the self-love in every stage of your body is something that we're always working on. But when you realize that eating healthy and eating a certain way is the only thing that's keeping you um, in the ability to survive and function on an everyday basis when you deal with the health circumstances that I do, it's a hell of a lot easier when you don't have an alternative. It's not like I can sit here and say, you know what, should I eat the cake? Should I not eat the cake? If I know if I eat that cake in 30 minutes, I'm going to be so tired. My gut is going to, like, I have symptoms that are debilitating. And so it almost, and I say this laughing and very loosely, but it's true, it's almost a blessing when you have that drastic of symptoms that you have to experience because you're like, it ain't worth it. But for someone that can deal with it, and the only thing that they're going to suffer from is maybe a little bit of bloating and weight gain, it's a little bit different. Like, it's not as life-threatening. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely does. Absolutely. You know, because, like, and, like, as, like, just, like, on the very tail end of, like, what you're saying, like, like, these symptoms, um, I personally think there needs to be way more education around what food related symptoms are when they're not agreeing with your body because I feel like that is like a, such a major disconnect about how like you know like the bloating the cramping the lethargic you know being tired in the morning when you wake up needing a nap in the afternoon you know cognitive fog you know anxiety you know like um, you know intermittent stress you know like all of these things are just like they're so intense tense right and like we there's just no education around it at all i just wrote that down because i'm always um i'm always thinking of like what is the next best thing that people need to hear about yeah because i like to do facebook lives throughout the week for these specific reasons and that is so huge it is and that's the thing that i 
wish I would have known growing up with IBS because so many people, um, this statistic, I think there's like, and I could be totally wrong with this, but I'm pretty sure it's anywhere between 60 and 70% of people. I know at least are lactose intolerant and don't realize it. Most people are, they just, it's whether or not they experience a symptom depending on the strength of their gut microbiome and whatnot. But honestly, people don't realize that, like you said, if you're having like, if you're having gas, if you're having bloating, if you're having brain fog of any sort, if you're feeling super tired after a meal, like you got to look what was in that. And we really overlook that as a form of um, like health and wellness and taking care of ourselves. Because if people are thinking it's difficult for them to control their cravings and their hormones are all over the place and they're having trouble breaking through a weight loss plateau, but they don't realize that their gut is unhealthy because of all these food related symptoms. They don't realize it's all tied together and it could be a big thing keeping you from breaking through that. So I love that you brought that up because most people don't associate that with the ability to get healthy and lose weight. Because, you know, think of like the flip side of that, like the education that has now been dropped, you know, like, you know, through generations and the education that's kind of been like dropped even like socially is that, you know, when you do feel like that after, it's only just a byproduct of quote-unquote being full you know and like the the extreme example that is like how everybody feels like after christmas and thanksgiving it's like oh i just need to go lay down for a little bit oh we just need to sit on the couch we just need to watch this football game or like this that and the next thing and it's just like we associate some of these feelings with just that we've ate too much you know but like we're not understanding like this is just a huge negative feedback loop in the body and on top of that we're not even talking about all the symptoms and the body that are going to happen because you've ate too much and the massive inflammation just from eating too much, even if you're not having, you know, inflamed symptoms from the food that you've just ate. You know, it's like there's like all this trigger because, again, like that massive overconsumption of just calories in general is just as detrimental to your body as like going out and drinking that Slurpee. You know, but these are things that we just don't want to admit to ourselves because it's just like, oh, buffets exist, supersize exists, extra large pizza exists, jumbo Slurpee exists. We should consume this because the option is just there. You know, but like when does it come back? You know, and like knowing that, you know, we in Canada in the United States are like 10, 15 years behind, you know, some of these countries that have decided to be able to limit portion sizes, limit companies in the amount of like sugar and salt and everything that they put in foods. But like, we're just like, no, 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 us here in Western culture, because we've always been doing it right. We will always do it right. We are never really going to change anything, you know, but like, I find like the most concerning thing like that I've heard, especially with like, with you know, regards to like Americans that, you know, if the amount of money that keeps getting spent federally on like, you know, healthcare related, you know, um, expenses that by 2040, you guys will have nothing for the rest of the federal budget. Like, that's why the American military and the defense department is named American. Americans is the most existential threat to the United States outside of like terrorism and you know like nuclear war and anything it's like when does that like when does that information become so alarming to people and especially politicians and government figures and healthcare professionals that are just like we really need to like 
change our game and say like, yes, because Florida wants to sell oranges that we shouldn't sell them on the back of vitamin C. You know, like, yes, you know, you might be able to get some like calcium from, you know, milk, but it's not the most effective way of getting calcium. And maybe we should educate people that magnesium is actually better for, you know, building stronger bones than calcium ever was. You know, like, like all of these things, like where does the social responsibility of these so-called like, you know, elected officials that have our best interest in mind is saying like, we have the responsibility to be able to curb this and help people say like you, you know, in this place saying like, we need to get your message out there more effectively. You know, we need to help you in your community because I know the federal government in Canada just launched this program saying like, hey, if you're willing to be a community advocate towards health and fitness, we will pay you. We will let you be a, a, a representative of the federal government with this health and wellness initiative saying like, if you will do it, step up, we will pay you. You can become an employee of the federal government. Just help us get this message out there. So like I see us kind of starting to make that change in the right direction. But at the end of the day, you know, when does it happen or does it happen to it? Because, you know, like I look at this, like think of like the most abstract way that we got connected. Like it's, it's crazy, but like those connections are starting to become live. And it's like, like getting like that information out there, like to people and just saying like, Hey, like, like your food is so much more than just like, you know, if you have a disease and you're feeling symptoms or if you want performance or if you want vanity, like all of these things, like simply just like, hey, where do we start scaling just back on like what we allowed food companies to do? Or, you know, like when we walk into a grocery store, what are expectations of what that even visually looks like? A, you know, 30,000 square foot building versus maybe a 3,000 square foot farmer's market or something along those lines. Like, like that accountability, like for us, you know, saying like, we just need to keep on going but you know also getting the tools we need to be able to help push that message out there yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah um okay so like that all those rants aside like when like tell me a little bit more about like this lyme disease um like you know component of like your life like not even knowing that you had like lyme disease you know not being diagnosed or like like what that whole experience was like because um like that was obviously a pretty heavy duty moment in your life for just like years that you experienced just like this like struggle from a health perspective yeah i didn't ever find a bite so i don't know how long that i had it um about 60 70 percent of people don't find a bite, the typical bullseye. Um, I just was exhausted. I was absolutely exhausted. I was in my junior year of college, 20 years old. Um, and I got to the point where I was taking, like I said, at least one, if not two naps a day, usually two, three hours at a time would skip meals um, just to be able to, you know, stay in bed. And I was like, I'll just grab a snack later. And I honestly, I attributed that to just burning the candle at both ends while I was in school because I was working at the same time I was going to school and then that, you know, the typical type A personality, study really hard, stay up late, work out on top of that. Um, and it got to the point where my roommates were like, you need to get tested because there's something more going on. So I did. It was November of uh, 2011. Yeah. And um, I got six different tests done. You know, you go to your doctor and you say, I'm tired all the time. Well, they're like, okay, it could be this, 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 this. And Lyme disease came back positive. So that's how I figured it out. Um, Ended up getting, over the next three years, I went through three different rounds of doxycycline, which is a typical antibiotic they put you on. And um, a whole other thing of uh, issues kind of came along with that because a lot of times it's the co-infections that cause a lot of your issues. So, 
Um, and like, do you typically spend like a like a lot of time outside in like the wilderness? Like, is that where you got this tick bike, or, or like, do you not even know like how or why it happened? Well, I mean, we had ticks in you know the backyard. Pennsylvania is the number one um, is the state with the most uh, Lyme disease cases. So where we lived, it was very possible that I mean. It's not like I was always outside in the woods, but we were outside all the time. And when you have dogs and the dogs bring them in, um, it's not hard to to end up getting it so yeah see and like those are like you know because out here you know like obviously we have ticks but it's not like some of like the diseases that are associated with it I think a lot of them are kind of like you know to like the Atlantic Northeast you know like from what I understand you know and it's just like you know like I can't imagine it's like simply just being outside you know somebody's out in the wilderness like hiking you can kind of understand it but you know if you're playing with your dog like that like that's the scary part because it's like you would never get a regular test on every like three months or six months just to see if you have Lyme disease because you have a dog, you know, because you never had like a, you know, like the typical bullseye tick mark that you're looking for to even like start that cycle. But right. how hard was it going through all those rounds of antibiotics? Like you say you run antibiotics for three years. It was just three different rounds within the three years. So okay. yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't, um, it wasn't as extreme as somebody that may go through intravenous antibiotics. Um, but it, I always had a, a, a sensitive stomach, like I said, with IBS. So when it came to antibiotics, wiping out my gut flora and all that other stuff, that was the stuff that you had to recover from. Yeah. And then what was it next? Like, what was it after the Lyme disease? Because there was still like one or two other things, wasn't there, that you went through health-wise? What was it after the Lyme disease? Like, once you kind of got that conquered was there enough time like in between that where like you know like you started eating healthy again like you got your you know like you got flora back up like you you felt like you're up to par or did you just get completely snowballed by something else right after your, you know you finished all these rounds of antibiotics so as far as the other health issues that came along with it it wasn't like it wasn't like a quick like oh i had lyme disease oh great now i realize oh i have adrenal fatigue and then i have hypothyroidism what had happened was I got diagnosed in, like I said, it was in 2011. Um, and then when I went through the next three years of getting treated, the reason I went through three different cycles of antibiotics is because they'll tell you after you go through, you know, 21 days worth of it, if you're, if you're not feeling better, it's not like they're going to say, oh, okay, we'll give you more or it didn't, it didn't work for you. you have, my doctor said you had to wait six months because that could take that long to get through, get it through your system, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I went through two cycles after that um, because I was still feeling tired and I was still feeling exhausted. Um, so when it got to the point where then I had gone to my PCP, um, went to a chronic disease specialist, an endocrinologist, I was still feeling tired. And then at that point, my Lyme disease test was then coming back negative, And there were so many false negatives with Lyme that Sometimes you just, you never know. Yeah. Um, I decided I wanted to go to um, an LLMD, which is a Lyme literate medical doctor uh, that also was well-versed in everything that kind of went along with Lyme disease. That's when I found out that I had co-infections, the stuff that was going on in my gut, um, different things with, uh, you know, my thyroid and different hormone levels in my body that we had to address. And so it wasn't like, 
I got a dead set diagnosis. I had to do a bunch of tests afterwards that were able to um, be able to look at integratively and conclusively to figure out what our next steps need to be. So that was really what opened me up to the world after those three years. That's what opened me up to the world of biohacking um, because at that point I was pretty in tune with my nutrition and it wasn't necessarily enough. So in nutrition alone is important, like I was saying earlier, but it's not necessarily all you need to be doing. And I was one of those people before, honestly, that didn't like to take supplements unless like, I don't know, I guess unless I felt like I had to and I just wanted to get everything naturally through food and a lot of people are like that, but just realistically, you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> like you just can you can for one vitamin or another mineral, but like all the stuff that you need is very difficult to do that. And what I realized with a lot of supplements is um, there are a lot of biohacking supplements out there that you can't even get it through food. Like the things that they're able to do in your body only happen because of the, you know, the synergistic blend of either different herbs or different things that you cannot just eat. You know, this is new technology. This is new science. And so that opened me up to the world of biohacking. And that's why I've been doing that for the last, all right, well, that started in 2015. So it's going to be going on four years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. And like you said, like, I think that's like where we're at now is kind of globally accepting, you know, like this, this biohacking is, um, you know, kind of like, like the next generation of it, you know, kind of like the 3G aspect of it, right? Because, you know, like it's, we know so much about it now. And you know, like, that's one thing I was saying, you know, I always say to people is that, you know, like, I think we're chasing like, you know, perfection to like, you know, a pretty extreme degree. But then I've started to kind of peel that back a little bit and just say like, well, you know, we just have like more tools now. So like, how can we live just like that, that better and that longer and stuff? And it doesn't have anything to do with like, you know, like a paleo component of like how we were before or, you know, like all these things like, you know, we have like these different like, you know, receptors and plugs in our body that, you know, like we can use these to our advantage to be able to live just like these awesome lives. And it doesn't take a whole bunch. And like you said, like, supplements are one thing you know but like you know herb blends and you know different vitamins different mineral blends like like this is completely different you know like it's not like this laundry list of stuff that you can't understand you know it might be something like you know like pine needle powder and you know like you know like holy basil you know things like that that just have like these great effects for our body like you know we just have accessibility to them now and an understanding and be able to how to use them properly so um but yeah like i said i know that uh, that you gotta get going and i just like i really appreciate for you being so so candid and so open and willing to be to share your story and you know like i know that it's a little bit emotionally exposing there you know especially when it comes down to like you know like different like you know, like eating disorders or you know like what that may look like and i just appreciate your your openness and your honesty you know behind your share so i really appreciate you being on the podcast today absolutely thank you so much for having me on and i hope that one person can relate to this and uh just take one of the nuggets to be able to help make the the lifestyle change or um realize that they need to advocate for their own health so thank you so much for having me no problem uh drop some social media handles and some website information email address and you know how anybody could get a hold of you if they need to yeah, absolutely. If you uh, if you go to Facebook or um, Instagram, if you type in biohacking bombshell um, or type in Alyssa, A-L-L-Y-S-S-A, Lascala, L-A-S-C-A-L-A, you'll be able to find me under either one. Um, and if you just type it into Google, you can find me there as well. So Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Alyssa. I really appreciate you being on today. Thank you so much. 